You're listening to episode 175 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today's topic is building friendships while traveling with Ann Taylor McNeese. You're listening to Christian Travelers Network, the podcast and platform where travel stories, community, and scripture combine. Hi, Christian Travelers. I'm so glad that you're here. Today, we're going to be talking about mental health and how it's so important to be building a community of friends, even while we're traveling. And today, Anne, a licensed marriage and family therapist, will be talking more about those things. But before we dive into that, I want to once again point you to our website, christiantravelers.net. There you'll find other faith and travel resources and our online platform to help you connect with other travelers, share your God moments, etc. We'll be launching in the next couple of months, so stay tuned. Now, without further ado, Anne is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California and the host of the Soul Grit podcast, covering mental health and the Christian faith. Anne is an extrovert who loves tacos, the beach, and talking about Jesus. Hi, Anne. How are you doing today? Hi. Thanks for having me here today. I'm really happy to be here. That's wonderful. We're glad that you're here too. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how mental health applies to travel? Sure. Yeah. I'm a uh, California native and I'm married to a Minnesotan. So we've done a little bit of back and forth travel through the States and we have three kids. We live in Southern California and we're just in that really busy raising kids stage right now. But I also have a practice in um, my community where I see individuals and uh, adults and couples mostly who want to get their marriages on track or who are having trouble in in other family relationships or just struggling with depression and anxiety. And then I host the Soul Grit podcast, which is about a year old now, and I just like to have discussions about mental health and faith and how we integrate those things and how Christians can take care of their mental health. That's awesome. Um, One of the things that I've heard from some travelers is that they're kind of intimidated about traveling um, and finding connections, that uh, they're kind of fearful of being alone. Um, What uh, advice or thoughts do you have about that? Well, I think when we when we're going to put ourselves out there traveling, like some people have to have a travel buddy, right? And the other people have to do it on their own and just, you know, brave, (laughs) brave the wilderness themselves, right? And I think there's benefits to both ways. Like traveling with some someone, as you know, can really deepen your bonds and build Mm -hmm. a friendship. I'm sure we've all also had the experience where you travel with someone and you're like, uh, we're not as good of friends as I thought we were, or that person really bugs me. (laughs) And, and I think it takes a certain type of personality to actually go somewhere on your own, but that can be a really rewarding experience too. So some of the things you might consider is just how am I doing in my relationships in general before I even book a trip? And how am I doing in my mental health in general before I decide I need to go somewhere? Because some of us are using travel as escape, and Mm -hmm. that might be good for you to go and get a break, or it might just be that you're avoiding working something out that you actually do need to be working out. And sometimes a therapist can help you with that, and sometimes you need your community around you to help you work through some things. 
Yes. Um, how do you go through the process of evaluating that, especially if we're trying to avoid some of those mental things? How do we assess and like be honest with ourselves? Yeah. Well, I think that's that's multifaceted as well. Like you have to have your relationship with God because if you have your the Holy Spirit working in you and you're you're submitting to his authority, you are going to be becoming aware of some things that he wants to work on in you. And then the same thing goes for having community around you. If you have some relationships, whether that's family or friends or small group members, like those are the people if you're honest and you're authentic, those are the people that are going to help you see, oh, this thing doesn't feel right or comfortable, or I need to uh, be able to um, work on that thing a little bit. And I think sometimes just that that feeling of not being quiet in your soul is the the clue that there's something that needs to be worked out here. But then we also have like really good mental health indicators, like you can go anywhere online and find out what are the signs of anxiety or depression. And most of us are going to experience that at some point in our lives, especially as we're going through this technological age, as we're coming through a mm-hmm. pandemic, all, we're going to have some depression and anxiety symptoms. And you need to know when is it just sadness or just just I feel hyped up or worried about my day? And when is it a clinical problem that I need to go see, seek help for? Absolutely. That uh, brings up an interesting point. Um, The pandemic really affected us in many ways, our communities, our friends. Um, So did social media, has social media. I feel like it's something we're clinging to more and more. Um, How have you seen those things impact friends? Yeah, well, I think there's a good and there's a bad. And I'm sure everybody would say that, but maybe for different reasons. Now, the good part is you might have an awareness or a connection with people that you wouldn't otherwise have connection with. Like I haven't talked to anybody from my high school for 20 years, but I have, I kind of know what they're doing because they're on my Facebook, you know, that's not really a valuable connection for me at this point. But on the other hand, I have a couple of uh, groups on Facebook of people who have similar interests, They may be um, Christians either in like the therapy world or the fitness world or something that I'm also interested in. And those people have become my people. So that's the benefit. Sometimes in your community close by, especially if we're under quarantine orders, like you can't be around people that get you really close by in your local community, but you can find those people like one of my best friends I met online and she lives in Indiana and I live in California and we talk all the time and I wouldn't know her if it weren't for Facebook. <laughs> but but on the other hand, um, one of the interesting things that I heard recently, we all understand how polarized our society has become and how people are canceling each other and you know fighting against each other. And one of the things that social media does is it allows you to find the people who agree with you and cancel the people who don't versus Mm -hmm. local community where you get a big range of people who might challenge your ideas and pull you out of your comfort zone and actually make you think more clearly. (laughs) Yes. Um, I know that you just listed one of those values of a diverse community being like they challenge our thoughts. But maybe what are some other um, reasons to value community? 
Well, I think when we look in scripture in particular, we see community. Uh, right now I'm going through a Bible study in Nehemiah. And the first thing they do after like working really hard to build the wall is they all get together and they read the scripture together. And then they're mm-hmm. sad because they realize they weren't doing what the scripture said. And then Nehemiah says, no, this is the day to celebrate because we're turning things around. You need to go eat food and, and celebrate with your friends and give gifts to poor people. And so I think if we could kind of have that attitude of when we gather together, we repent of what's not going well, but then we celebrate that we're in the community of God and, and you know, food is <laughs> really important. I mean, that's why a lot of people travel too, right? Like I want to have the food of different cultures and there is a celebration there that um, we can praise God for. Absolutely. And I love, I love how they really took in in scripture, they took what could have been such a like, let's beat ourselves up for our shortcomings into Mm -hmm. let's celebrate that we're like making another milestone in this journey. Yeah, yeah. Then if you flip over into the New Testament, I mean, like Jesus was a gatherer, right? Like wherever he went, people would come around him. And then when he returned to heaven and gave us instructions about what our communities would look like, he said, you know, we're going to gather, we're going to teach, and we're going to teach people to obey his commands. And that looked like in the early church, you know, sharing food, sharing possessions, uh, just being together more time. And that's something that we maybe don't do as well in our modern culture because, oh, I don't need to be with you because I can text you really quick versus come into my home and open up my fridge and let's eat popcorn together or what you know like that's the difference um that is uh yes jesus really did bring people around him and um how would you i um be more intentional about creating community or how does someone kind of draw that community to them yeah well i think I'm an extrovert, so I know it's probably going to be easier for me, but I think that we have to get over ourselves. Like, that's the first thing. Like, you can't be embarrassed or think that somebody's going to think you're weird if you talk to them in the grocery store or at church or on the playground or wherever you are at school, if you're a student uh, or even a teacher. You just have to think everybody's probably as lonely as I am, and everybody like my mom used to tell me this when I was a teenager, like you're so worried that other people are looking at you thinking that you look weird, but everybody else is thinking about themselves, thinking that they look weird. (laughs) And so if we get our, our focus off ourselves and what we might look like and start just, I mean, just give somebody a compliment or just notice something that they're, they're doing. Like I don't have a single tattoo on my body, but if I see somebody that has a tattoo, I might ask them a question about that. I'm also not a dog person. I really like I have to go wash my hands if I touch a dog. But if somebody walks by my yard, like I'm looking out my front window right now and somebody walked by with a dog, I'm going to say, oh, what kind of dog is that? Not because I'm interested in dogs, but I know they are and I want to draw them out and I want to start a, a conversation there. So rather than being concerned about ourselves, it's much more about inviting people to share about their passions yes 
and we think that people are going to think we're weird if we ask them questions. And honestly, people are just like, maybe you might get shut down here and there. But people want to talk about themselves and people want to know that somebody sees them and somebody's interested in them. And so if we can remove our, uh, I don't know, our mortification that somebody's going to think we're weird, we can go and do that. And it actually brings a lot of um, connection and we can do that. And uh, that's an interesting point. Like um, as, as our world is polarizing in some ways, um, by, I think by starting a conversation with questions, um, it really opens them up to sharing and it doesn't mean that we have an agenda other than just getting to know them. Yeah. 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 Um, so, um, we invest in this, we have these conversations, but yet sometimes making friendships and like building them to last can be so hard. I, I can remember back to my elementary school days and like, you have a crayon, I have a crayon, let's be best friends. <laughs> but right. now I feel like in the adult world, it takes a lot more work than um, maybe I once realized. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I feel like the older that we get, the harder it is. We have busy lives and we basically don't don't have time to have friends anymore that that's that's really the issue here I remember in college feeling like oh it was easy to make friends because they lived in a dorm and they were right there Mm -hmm. and then when I got married we had to join a, a young couples group so that we could have friends that were in the same life stage and then we had children and that became even harder because we have to be home at 7 p.m. to give people a bath (laughs) You know, (laughs) and it just like the harder you get now, it's uh, our kids are in sports and we're sitting around in parking lots at 7 p.m. waiting for somebody to come out, you know. So every stage of life, I feel like it does get harder Mm -hmm. because people become more involved with what they're doing. So you probably will have to look at what am I doing right now that I could be doing with people instead of on my own. So. If you're, for example, taking your kid to a sports practice, could you bring a snack and talk to the other moms on the bleachers? Or if you are um, going to the gym, could you make sure you see the the same people that show up to your class and actually get their names? Like, like just do the things that you're already doing, but do them with people that I think is a really big part of it. And then if you find that you're not really doing anything that could actually be around people, that's when you have to think, okay, do I need to join a meetup? Like, what do I enjoy doing? Should I do some community service? If I decide to book a travel, should I book with a group versus just trying to go the cheapest that I can? Or if I do go and I'm, I'm, getting Scott's cheap flights and I'm going to a hostel and I'm doing that kind of stuff. Can I have community meals with someone? Like how can I do this to make it so that I am around people? And I'm by no means saying that 24 hours a day, all day of of your life, you need to be with people because that would be not, not good for you either. (laughs) But if you're noticing that you're struggling in this phase of life, feeling like you don't have the friendships that you wish you had, it probably just takes a little bit more effort to look at your schedule, reach out more, be the one to text. Don't be afraid to take initiative. 
I I heard it once said that, um, you know, oftentimes we're waiting around for people to message us and invite us, Mm -hmm. but sometimes we need to be the one to invite because likely they're sitting around and waiting as well. Yeah. Yeah. And like my husband and I enjoy like going out to lunch with people after church or uh, having people over for dinner. And I can tell you like 90% of the time we are not invited to do something. But we don't really let that stop us to be from being the ones that suggest. And I, I'm not <laughs> I don't think that people just don't like us. I'm not I'm not claiming that. I'm saying that people don't know they need to take the initiative or they feel like, oh, they're too busy or I don't want to bother them. And when we're standing around after church going, somebody wants to go to lunch with us, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um on a semi-related note, um, okay. something that I've seen on social media as we're talking about these different stages and how it's hard to build friendships as we transition from being single to married to having kids, there there's almost this stigma around having children that I've seen where it's mm-hmm. like we're going to lose out on so many blessings and so many opportunities, like so many of the joys because now our kids are going to consume our life. But I know that <laughs> the kids are also blessings. Can you speak a little bit maybe to this maybe altered perception that if you've seen it? Yeah, for sure. And I do think that you go through that feeling first when you get married you have that feeling of like, oh, my time is not my own. I have to tell my spouse if I'm going to be going somewhere after work. You know, (laughs) you have that adjustment. And then if you have a child come into the family, you have that adjustment again. Like I said, we we don't actually do anything after 7 p.m. because that's when bath time is, (laughs) you know. Um, And you come to a point where you start to appreciate the routine that actually adds a lot of peace and calm to your life. So bath time is at seven, bedtime is at eight. I read my Bible and check my Facebook from eight to nine. And then my husband comes upstairs and we watch a show at night, like very routine, but it's the predictability of it adds a lot of calm to my life. So there's a, there's a reward to that. But there is a trade-off that you're not able, like we used to be able to call up friends. Uh, I would get out of class at 9, 9 p.m. and we could call up friends and say, hey, you want to go get ice cream and donuts? You know, like, <laughs> We can't do that now. But what we can do is meet new people that we wouldn't otherwise meet because our kids are involved in activities. Or uh, mm-hmm. right now we're leading the family small group for our church and we're meeting other families that we wouldn't necessarily hang out with, but because their kids are in the same stage as ours, guess what? We're friends now, you know, <laughs> like recently my daughter was part of a drumline team at her school and I got to be friends, really good friends with a couple of the other moms because we were there all the time. And then this year, my daughter decided, I don't want to do drumline anymore. And I actually had to grieve for the loss of her activity because that meant I didn't get to be with the other moms anymore. And so there, there's a trade-off, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like, kids will change your social life, but they don't have to end your social life. You just have to be intentional in doing it in a different way. 
That's awesome. And <laughs> I think that's uh, true with travel too. Many families think um, that, you know, once you have kids, you can't travel as much. Um, but I think in the same way, it just looks different, but it can also be a blessing too. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people say, it's not vacation anymore when you have kids. It's just taking care of kids in a different location where you don't have all the conveniences of home. <laughs> and I get that. But there's also the ability to make new memories and push your kids out of their comfort zone. And you're in a different zone. And uh, it can be a, a big blessing as well. Absolutely. Well, and we're nearing the end of this episode. Do you have any other tips or advice for Christian travelers? Yeah, a couple of things. Um, get into therapy if you can. And if you are somebody who travels full time or a good chunk of the time, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for you to find a mental health professional because of the laws that we have governing jurisdictions. So for example, I am licensed in the state of California. That means the only people that I can see are people who live in California. So for example, when my clients travel for school or for um, like say they were taking an extended summer trip or something, I can't see them when they're not here. So if you are somebody that travels a lot, you might have to find someone that has a license that transfers across different states or different countries, or you might have to maybe see somebody like a life coach or a mental health coach instead that doesn't have the same jurisdiction laws. So it's not going to be intensive therapy, but it is going to be somebody to help you keep your mental health in check. So that would be something that you could consider if you're going to be traveling a lot. The other thing I would just mention is that there are some really good resources out there if you're looking to improve in this area of building friendships, which uh, one of them might be like Jenny Allen's book, Find Your People. So that mm -hmm. would be a, a good resource to read and to go through if you are looking, you know, friendships are important, but maybe your lifestyle hasn't really lent itself to the friendship making and maintaining right now. That would be a good resource. Absolutely. Um, I actually want to go back and ask about the jurisdiction point. Um, telehealth has become a much more common thing. Is that apply in the same way then too? Can't go across mm -hmm. states or some countries? Yeah. So the good thing about telehealth is I can see people who are in Southern California, Northern California, when people go on road trips, like if they're still in the state, like I can still see them. I've had people pull over at a gas station before when they were on a trip to be able to have their therapy appointment. Um, so that is a good thing. Some states are shifting some of the laws a little bit so that, that people can see across those state boundaries. However, not all the states are there. There are a lot of therapists lobbying for that right now or saying the change in the technology really warrants a change in the legal system for this. Okay. So it's not there yet, but it's getting better. Okay. Well, that is good to know. Um, and one of the questions that I always ask our podcast guests is what has been the biggest God moment in all of your travels? There's a fly buzzing me. Sorry. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that this past summer. Um, we took a big, long road trip, like 3,000-mile road trip through Utah and Colorado. And 
funny thing was, uh, we, we traveled with another, uh, family that was from Idaho and we met in Utah and it was right before father's day. And we said, okay, well, we we're, we bought the groceries basically camping style there. All the stuff is in the cooler. We're going to cook at the campsite for the first two nights. Then the third night is going to be father's day. So for father's day, we should take the dads out for dinner. Great plan, right? Well, Father's Day is on Sunday, and this is southern Utah, where everybody is Mormon. And there was not a single restaurant open. And so we, and plus my friend has celiac disease, so she couldn't eat just anywhere. <laughs> you couldn't just grab a hot dog, you know. And so there's no restaurants open. So we thought, we started thinking, okay, plan B, let's go to the grocery store and we'll get steaks. Dads love steaks. We're going to cook the steaks. Then we find out small town, rural Utah, the grocery stores are not open on Sundays either. <laughs> so, so then we were, we had five kids and four adults and zero food left in the cooler. <laughs> so we're thinking like, okay, we got some granola bars and there may, maybe a couple eggs left and a head of lettuce. What do we want to do? <laughs> and so at that moment, the host of our campsite had just returned from a three-day backpacking trip. She hadn't taken a shower. She hadn't unpacked the, the truck or anything. And we were up by her site because we were trying to get reception on our phones to find some place that was open. At that moment, she heard us talking that we didn't have any food and there was no place open that we could go. And she goes, I probably have enough stuff in my freezer to be able to feed you guys. In the meantime, she's a mom of six, and her husband is dealing with a migraine at this moment. So she just came back from backpacking trip. She hasn't showered. She's got six kids, and her husband's, like, laid out on the couch. And now she has nine people who don't have food. And she goes, it's okay. The Schwann men came. I got I got meat in the freezer, and so we went back to our coolers and we scrounged up, you know, like a half a cucumber and a bag of corn and a head of lettuce, and uh, there was some rice, and she thawed the meat, and we had, we just cooked it all, like uh, smorgasbord, like potluck style, and we sat at her campfire, and we chatted for probably two, three hours. Somebody we never knew before. All we knew was that she had hospitality and that she was willing to feed us and our children. And that was one of the best conversations that I've ever had on a trip because we got to connect at a heart level because it was just two or three moms trying to figure out what to feed this gaggle of children out in the forest in rural Utah on a Sunday, that, and there was a God conversation there. Wow, um, that's an incredible story. Thank you for sharing it, um, and I, what a blessing to get to have that community um, in the midst of rural Utah. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Well, Anne, we've really enjoyed having you on the podcast. How can our listeners connect with you outside of today's episode? Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, Soul Grit is the name of my podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Christian faith and mental health and is therapy really for Christians and what should we think about things like EMDR and CBT and some of these things you might have heard about the mental health field, we do a lot of education on that. So you can find the Soul Grit podcast on 
Apple or Spotify or Google or wherever you get podcasts. Um, and then also you can follow me at Soul Grit Resources on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. We'll make sure to have those links in the comments below. And Anne, thank you so much for uh, hopping on and sharing your story with us. Thank you, Sarah. Well, Christian travelers, I hope that you have been inspired and encouraged to find friends and community, whether at home or in your travels. And if you're looking for some related episodes, I encourage you to check out episode 170, Making Friendships on the Road, or episode 37, Worshiping on Your Commute with Shannon Davis. Until next time, safe travels and God bless.